God, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to stand here and worship. And we want, God, more than anything for the tradition to, to have life again, for the religious activities that we have become oftentimes too familiar with. We want them to be broken down so that they would be replaced by an active deepening of what it means to follow the way of Jesus. That we'd be reminded that beyond the practices, beyond the pursuit is a person, and, and that person is your Son who you've sent and your Holy Spirit who indwells the, us, who have given our lives to that a Jesus, and I pray that what we'd be considering today as we open your word would align our lives with the way of Jesus as we see the early church working this out and uh, striving to live in a faithfulness and obedience to this. And I pray, God, that you would uh, continue this work of grace that you're, that you're doing in our church and and that you'd be teaching us and training us and correcting us and all of the good things that you do, God, but I pray that your gospel would be center. And I pray it would shine more brightly because of our hearing this message and receiving it. And so, God, I ask that as your word is open now, that you would continue to lead us, that we would continue to have a worshipful posture towards it, ready to receive what you have for us, and, and, and asking, God, by your grace and through the power of your spirit that we would walk it out. So we just trust you with that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So glad you're here this morning. Um, thanks for this uh, time of worship we've had. And uh, we're going to continue to be in that posture as we open God's Word. And if you've got a copy of God's Word, uh, you can get it uh, turned over to um, Acts chapter 15. That's where we're going to be at. Um, honestly, after last Sunday, I could not wait to be back in this room with God's people worshiping. And it was just such a joy and a privilege. Um, these last a number of weeks have been so encouraging, and uh, I, I think just to get back to some things that we value so deeply at our church, and uh, to see God working, whether it was in high five with the gospel going out and community being built around our kids, and then uh, last week, just so thankful for the, the support and encouragement that you guys gave um, Dylan as he transitions to our staff team. And uh, man, if you missed it last week, uh, check out um, his God at Work video on our Facebook page. It has been shared 137 times and has had over 8,700 views. And I promise you, that clarity around the gospel working in people's lives is my heart that that's pushed out at every point and every level in our church. And then this past Friday, Saturday, over 60 of our men um, on a retreat together, just committing the entire time uh, just to focusing on prayer. And today we're back in the book of Acts, believing God wants to continue to press forward the work that he wants to do in our church. And before we jump into this passage, I just want you to know, um, one of the things I so appreciate about God's word is its authenticity. I mean, I don't know if you recognize how often um, uh, the, the Bible doesn't paint this sort of like perfect, glossed over picture of the church. It immerses us right into the midst of all the disagreements and all of the, the blessing and the suffering of the agreement and disagreement of faithfulness and sin and unity and separation. 
But through the midst of it, the fabric that runs all throughout Scripture is the mission of God being accomplished. The mission of God being accomplished. And all, all gospel relationships in the church amidst fallen people, they, they all have one purpose, one focus, and that's to fulfill the mission. You gotta keep that in front of you today. Fulfill the mission, the mission of glorifying God by making disciples who love God and love others. It's fulfilling the Great Commission. And in the mission, when you've been walking with that as your focus, you understand and expect the joy and the blessing and you expect the pain. Because you know that this mission is coming up against something and whether it's our sinful flesh or whether it's the world in all of its ways, the, the mission comes up against that and where that meets, it is a war. It is a war. Inside and outside the church, you don't get enough faith where you now get, you're exempt from the war. Um, you are immersed in it all the time. And, and so, so the Bible, and particularly Acts, doesn't avoid uh, talking about issues that were a little difficult to navigate. These difficult and sort of complex issues that arose out of human relationships being together in the church, it, it leads us to principles that we can learn for our context right now. And so um, let's check it out. It's right here in this passage, trust me. Um, eyes on God's word, let's walk through this. So if you look back in verse 35, uh, Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. And then verse 36. So they're in Antioch, doing the ministry God's called them to. Verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, you just, you just got to acknowledge Im immediately in this first uh, verse that there is a sweetness to this ministry, that it's not like, oh, we, 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 we preach the gospel and now we're just going to, we're just going to, it's, it's good. They have such a pastoral heart to be like, let's go back to these churches where we preach the word of God and let's see how they are. There's such a care in there that I just wanted to note. Verse 37, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. We'll talk back about that in a little bit. But there's a disagreement here. Look in verse 39. And there arose a sharp disagreement. To the extent, look what it says, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. We're going to come back to this. But this first is, you see this relationship, there's sharp disagreement, they go their separate ways. What's happening here and what can we learn from it? Then chapter 16, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy. Now Timothy, this is the same Timothy that in First and Second Timothy, it's the person Paul was writing to. This is the Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. It circumcised him. If you heard last week, we talked about how in Acts 15 they said, um, uh, it, salvation, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. You don't have to follow the, the, the law of Moses. You just need to put your faith in Jesus Christ by grace. 
um, in him alone. And, and, and that's how you're saved. So what is happening here? We'll talk about it. Trust me. As they went on, through the, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to, to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. So I want to point out that amidst all that's happening here, um, what happened with the separation and then, and then uh, why is Timothy being circumcised as they, as they go to preach the gospel to these, the Jewish people in these areas? Uh, but, but regardless of all these questions, notice how the passage ends. It ends with, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. So whatever's happening, it's resolving itself in such a way that there's health. So I, I want to I step back for a second and look above this. And, and so if we want to stay committed to the mission, we need to hear this primary point that you can see from both of these passages. And then we're going to look at them individually and see two points come out of it. The big move, though, is this. Navigate relationships with a focus on mission. Navigate relationships with a focus on mission. And we're going to see how the mission is central to what's playing out here. Two lessons from each one of these passages. The first one is this. Recognize how relational separation can be used to multiply mission. Recognize how relational separation can be used to multiply mission. This was a real conflict, church. Like this, the, When it said sharp disagreement, uh, that meant sharp disagreement. The disagreement, though, was not over an essential gospel issue. They weren't arguing about, um, I believe Jesus um, is not God, and I believe Jesus is God. They weren't arguing like, um, oh, I believe there's many ways to heaven. Oh, I believe Jesus alone, uh, by faith, is the way you get to heaven. They, they weren't arguing about these gospel issues. They weren't arguing about the resurrection or, um, or, or about the essential nature of the church. They were just, they, they were arguing about a directional issue. It was a wisdom issue. And so what you have here is, you have Barnabas wanted something, verse 37, and Paul thought best, verse 38, and all of a sudden that came together and there was a problem. Now the likely reason, it says right there, it refers to um, what had happened in Pamphylia, and that's back in, um, in Acts 13, 13, we see a really, it seems when you read it, you don't think it's a big issue because it doesn't talk about the disagreement behind it. It just says John Mark departed from them. And so they're on a missionary journey, and for whatever reason, the, the Bible doesn't tell us, John Mark left. But that leaving caused Paul to think something about John Mark to the point where he didn't trust him, is what most commentators would say. They just didn't trust him. Earlier, that happens, and so now this causes Paul to lose trust and now you have leaders not in agreement about a leadership decision, and they're stuck in the conflict. Now, certainly, one of them could have given ground. Oh, you know what, Paul? We'll just go with what you want, or, oh, Barnabas will go with what you want. But they didn't. And I want you to know, the Bible does not assign fault here. It's really important. So don't read into the text and assume it was, um, there was some fault on one side or the other. It just became a disagreement. Maybe it was something they just didn't feel comfortable with, so they decided to go their separate ways. But, but what we know is, is we know that it was a sharp disagreement. And that word means a state of intense and emotional turmoil. It, it, it really points to what would have been an intense argument. 
And I don't know how it played out, or I don't know what was said in the argument, but we do know the outcome. It's right there in the text. They continued the mission. Whatever it was, it didn't get their eyes off of the purpose that God had called them to. It didn't cause one of them to be like, forget the church. If, I, if, Paul, if Paul is so arrogant, it didn't go there. They go their separate ways. And actually what happens, if you see it rightly, is one mission team now became two mission teams. And they actually go in two different directions to do the very thing that they were called to, to go to the churches, to find out how they were, and to strengthen them. There's a faithfulness there. And the other thing we know from Scripture is this is they endured in that work and they had an enduring respect for one another. In Philemon, in verse 24, Paul specifically talks about the relationship he had with Mark. In 2 Timothy 4, while Paul is in prison, he asks for Mark to visit him because he says, he is very useful to me for ministry. There was a respect. Paul didn't hold a grudge against John Mark, not at all. In addition, he didn't hold a grudge against Barnabas either. In 1 Corinthians 9, he shows respect for Barnabas as a co-laborer in the mission. In the mission of God, there are going to be a variety of uh, differences on direction or philosophy. There might be arguments or disagreements. And I believe that the right posture of, 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 of the followers of Christ should be that we process through it well but sometimes it leads to going in different directions. And that's okay. And if you navigate relationships with a focus on mission, it could be used to multiply the mission. Over the past 17 years of ministry, 17 plus now, I, I have seen, um, I've walked through a number of staff transitions, of people transitions in the church, people arriving at all sorts of different kinds of disagreements and and, and, and sometimes parting ways. And as I was thinking about that, I realized that as we apply this to our own lives and as we uh, process through this, I understand that that could be the reality of people in, in our church or people that have left our church. I understand that. And so I want to speak into this environment in a way that sort of illustrates um, the character of the way I think we can do this in a way that honors God. And so, because there's healthy transitions and then there's unhealthy transitions, Right? And I think we need, to, we need to respond rightly to wanting more health and not unhealth. And so here is a picture of healthy transitions. When I've seen this and what I believe I see uh, throughout Scripture in different places, uh, first, uh, move slowly. Move slowly in transitions. Um, communicate clearly. Make sure there's clarity about what you're struggling with or the disagreement or the thing you're wrestling with. Communicate clearly. Ask critical questions. Ask questions. What you want to do here is you want to test the accuracy of your perspective. I've sometimes had people catch something maybe in a message or, or, or something that's played out rather at any level in our church and they've asked me or another leader a question about it. Do you guys believe this in your church? And sometimes we're like, oh man, um, I, I think you may have misunderstood what I said. That's not what we, and we kind of have a chance to clarify that. That's what questions do. Second, uh, fourthly, process slowly. Test the importance of the issue biblically. If you don't test the importance biblically and you start to get off on other issues like we're going to talk about later in the message, what will happen is, is that you'll have way too much unnecessary separation. 
I mean, in my testimony, I'm processing through this knowing that uh, this idea of processing slowly, um, I, have, I have been in um, three churches um, over the last 21 years. And the only reason I left any of those churches was because I moved. I was like, well, I can't be in, in the church in Kansas City anymore because I live in Chicago now. And I can't be in the church in Chicago anymore because I live in Michigan. And so those are the only reasons that I've ever changed churches. And it's not because I haven't been in those churches and had some things that disappointed me or frustrated me or caused me to ask questions. I just chose to, and I believe God would want to process slowly. And fifthly, it's critical that we express love for one another. In these transitions, we want to express love for one another as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And then to transition with honor for one another. Like, don't burn bridges. If you've transitioned to our church from another church, I want to make sure, and we tell everybody in step one and step two, that that we want you to transition with honor for one another because if you've left a church for a reason, it's exceedingly helpful and gracious for those leaders to know why you've left, to have a chance to clarify or ask for forgiveness or walk in a way that would honor the Lord so that they could have greater understanding and clarity about what God's wanting to teach them in their church. And every time we've had somebody do this in a healthy way, it has been a grace to me and to us in leadership in and around our church. In addition, this is so important that we transition with honor for one another. It's not just you to the church, but it's the church to you. And we, listen, here's the thing we say all the time. We, we hold people with open hands. We don't, we don't own anyone just because you've committed to our church. And, and so open hands does not mean that we don't care about the people that God's put in our care. Open hands does not mean that if somebody leaves that it doesn't, isn't hard for us, that we don't grieve that sometimes in different ways. What open hands means is the kingdom of God is so big and, and, and we don't believe that we're everything for everyone. We're just trying to be a healthy church for the people who are committed to our church. And, and so um, we're not gonna try to coerce people in that and we just wanna have open hands and so we transition with honor for one another and then we need to be praying for mission multiplication. Man, I've had some awesome moments when people have walked through this just this past week, I have an example in my mind of someone who transitioning away from our church and just gathering around them and praying, God, would you multiply their ministry in the context in which they're going? I believe that honors God and it honors the kingdom. And people are watching this. One family that I was thinking about this week left our church over a year ago, and they spoke with us clearly. They walked through all of this in really beautiful ways. And, 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 and they just shared that they needed to go, they felt like they convicted, they needed to go to a church with more focus and frequent practice of specific charismatic gifts. And I was like, sweet, I know some great churches, and they did too, and we processed through it, and they, we, we had, we, all of this, all of this was, was playing out in that. And I was reminded of this family because Pastor Jeremy this past week talked with them and the husband of the family that Jeremy was talking to just said, hey, I just want you to know we have such great respect for your church. We benefited so much from our time there and they thanked us and we heard about how God's using them at that church. That is awesome. And I love that. It's, it's different directions, but still chasing after the same mission. And I want you to know that in this process, for wherever you're at in that, if you've got questions 
that you're trying to discern. Listen, we don't want to try to fake it for anybody. If you've been around our church for long, you know that. And if you have questions, come talk to our staff, our elders, our deacons, whoever. And if you've got questions about direction or any level of decisions or philosophy at our church, man, we just want to process through that. And uh, if you come asking questions, we're going to come and just try to give you the best answer and understanding that we can. And, uh, but let's not be unhealthy, okay? Unhealthy is when uh, there's no communication, you just leave. You might share your conviction with a lot of people outside of, by the way, that's called gossip, but in, in, this, in this sort of, you know, the, the most negative way possible. Instead, um, I think we can do better than that. And, and I want you to know that we acknowledge that in the church, there is going to be disappointment and disagreement. And we also know, um, honestly, in ways that is sometimes heavy, we know that there might be times when we've spoken in ways that has been harsh or, um, or, or we've misunderstood a person or we've spoken in a way that's been received as sharp. And I just want you to know that our posture of our leadership is always towards graciousness. I, I could think of people that have left our church for a variety of reasons that maybe haven't left in unhealthy ways. And I promise you that for me and all through our leadership that we'd be willing to meet with anybody to get to a place of understanding and a place of healthy separation. And I pray that you would do the same either with past relationships in the kingdom of God or with us in future weeks. Because here's the thing, or months, I, I think Romans 12, 18 sums it up. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And that's what we're going after here. Because if we do that, our moves and our transitions will be principled not around all of the sort of crazy ways that our sin can impact one another. It won't be because of that. It will be because we've walked through it in a principled way and we've been like, listen, mission says, I want you to go that direction. I'm telling you, I promise you, that will be so much more encouraging for your soul than another move. And every single move that I've made, even moving to go to other places, has had the favor of the previous church on and over my life. And I'm telling you, that is a fruitful place that produces a, a, a focus on the mission and keeps our focus there. And so I want you to see that here because we have this disagreement that comes between Paul and Barnabas. And, they, and there's this focus on the mission that they maintain and then from that, I believe, a common respect because it wasn't about us having to be together, it was about the mission and so navigate relationships with a focus on the mission. All relationships in the kingdom of God. That's the first one. Here's the second point. Avoid secondary issues that shut the door on gospel conversations. Avoid secondary issues that shut the door on gospel conversations. So I pointed out that when you read this passage, Acts 16, you have to ask some questions. Like, like, didn't they just make it really clear that circumcision was not required for salvation? And now, what could seem at a surface level could seem like a contradiction. Now, in this beginning of Acts, you've got Paul and Timothy together, and Timothy gets circumcised. What is happening here? What is going on? How do you reconcile 
what's happening. And I was asking those same questions. They're good questions to ask. The critical principle that helped me understand that, that turned my understanding in this passage, was this. The move to have Timothy circumcised was not because Paul thought circumcision was required for salvation. The move to have Timothy circumcised was wise discernment to avoid an issue that would have distracted the Jews from the gospel message. Circumcision was because he was focused on the mission, not because he needed circumcision to be saved. What's happening here is they're making adjustments in light of the culture so that they can engage the culture with the gospel and not allow there to be any other distractions away from that gospel. <clears throat> Daryl Bach, in his uh, commentary on Acts, helped me out so much, he really kind of sums up the heart of what's happening here in Acts 16 with really keen wisdom. So just follow along, we, we, we've got to hear this because it's such a great summary. He writes, in sum, what is seen here is Paul's cultural sensitivity. Instead of making Timothy a sideshow to the gospel, in terms of whether he was a Jew or not, Paul permitted circumcision so that the gospel would remain the main topic. Knowing which principles are worth standing up for and which ideas are not worth elevating to an importance they do not deserve is a sign of discernment and leadership. My goodness, my heart just says amen to this, particularly in the last year. Not every issue is worth starting a war over when it comes to the gospel and, ethnic, and the ethnic unity of the church. We need this message so incredibly badly in the church right now. If you're asking, is this reinforced in other areas, Pastor Brian? Um, it is. 1 Corinthians 9, we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, the passage that follows. Paul writes, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law. He's like, I'm not under the salvific obligation of the law to find God, but I'm bringing myself under that. Why? That I might win those under the law. To those outside the law. Now he's talking about a non-Jewish people, Gentiles. He says, I became as one outside the law. Then he clarifies, not being outside the law of God. What he's saying there is, listen, I'll go to great extent to reach people with the gospel, but I will not go and cannot go outside the law of God, meaning I can't sin to make some connection regarding the gospel. And then he says, but under the law of Christ. The law of Christ, church, remember, it's to love God and love others. It's the two greatest commandments that Jesus outlines. That's the law of Christ. He says, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, 
that I may share with them in its blessings. And what you see here from Acts and 1 Corinthians is Paul saying and drawing a line in the sand, or maybe even more rightly, he's drawing a circle for us to center our lives around. And what he's saying is this. He's saying that when you're engaging the lost world with the gospel, let no issue become the main issue except the gospel. And church, that is both an encouragement and a correction. And I want you to see that the longing here in Paul's heart is that let no issue become a hindrance or distraction from the gospel. And we need this discernment in our communication to the lost world. It is so critical today. I just had a conversation this week with a woman in our church who expressed honestly frustration and dismay about people that she's around inside and outside of our church who seem to be constantly jamming all of these secondary and tertiary and way outside even the Bible issues. Whether it's politics or, 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 or COVID or all sorts of many issues I could mention even within the last year, there's hundreds. And she expressed that, 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 this, that this is just, it's just getting tiring. It's getting tiring and wearisome. And she's finding that, that there's people that she's like, I don't even, I, I, I can't correct them because I, I, I understand where they're coming from, but they're constantly bringing it. And I just don't even want to be around them anymore. And then not to mention the fact that she says that in light of the world, they're losing their witness because they're focused on this issue. And I could hear her exhaustion, and I feel it too. It's no surprise that the world sees Christians as angry, argumentative, and unloving. Because sometimes I think that our heart to be right and to be heard on a secondary issue, or tertiary issue, or worse, is stronger than our heart for eternity. And we're concerned with the morality of the day more than we are the eternity of the hearts of people who don't know the gospel. Paul and Peter didn't walk into these cities and, and hang out with these Jewish people and become Facebook friends with them and then post, I have freedom in Christ, I don't need to be circumcised. <laughs> they didn't do that. They weren't like, hey, hey, I got freedom in Christ, I don't know why you guys are still circumcising yourselves, that's dumb. He got circumcised. <laughs> that is so convicting to me. They didn't shut the door for the gospel and they saw it as a hindrance or an obstacle or even a distraction. They were like, get that uh, uh, out of the way. Timothy, just be circumcised. Timothy's like, yeah, if it would make it easier for people to receive the gospel and it's not gonna distract from the gospel, then I'm in. That's, that's quite a statement from Timothy. He wasn't a baby. <laughs> he wasn't so concerned about the number of likes he could get from puffing his chest and being confident in his opinion. Instead, he got circumcised. Christians, please hear my heart. In your relationship with other believers, and more importantly, your relationship with the lost, 
if the majority of what you do in relationships is just fight to be right about every issue, and if most of what you talk about or post about is your views and conclusions about what's wrong in the world, listen, some will applaud you. I promise you, some will applaud you. And you'll find yourself surrounded by this group of zealots, but what will also be happening is that group will start getting smaller. And you may not notice it, or you may not even care, or you may find some spiritual um, wrong way to justify it. But most people will just distance themselves from you. You'll get a lot of likes and affirmation from the group because that's what happens in an echo chamber. It's just like, yay, and everybody else is yay, and so we just like our likes and affirm our little group, and we stay within that group, and we wonder why the world seems deaf to the gospel. And even worse, if you lack discernment, not just on social media, but in your workplace and in your neighborhoods and in your families, there will be people that don't know the gospel that because you're speaking so boldly about a, a secondary issue, their ears will be closed to the gospel from your life. And maybe you care about that and maybe you don't. And if you don't, then that's probably the place that God wants to speak to you this morning. Because we're not called to make our opinions famous. We're called to make Christ famous. And honestly... I think that if we rightly think and process through this and think about our own lives with um, transparency before God and His Spirit, I think some of us have honestly gotten bored with the glory of Christ. Because we seem to be enamored by a whole lot of other issues. I, I, I want us to see that everything good and honoring flows from a passion for the glory and goodness of Jesus Christ. Avoid secondary issues that shut the door on gospel conversations. Instead, turn the volume down on those conversations. And yes, there's appropriate places to talk about that, even in, even in, in, in the church of Jesus Christ. Like, there's great places to process through those things. But turn the volume up on, the conver on conversations about the gospel. Turn the volume down on angry, defensive, argumentative spirit about things and turn the volume up on celebrating the glory of God in the face of Christ. You don't convert anyone to biblical morality with your arguments or your posts or your opinions. You're not helping the cause of Christ. You might be helping your echo chamber that believes everything you believe on everything. But broadly in our culture, you're not helping the cause of Christ. We don't convert anyone to biblical morality through voting a specific person into office. You, 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 can, you can do this. You can convert people to religious agreement. You can convert people to believing the right things, and you can follow all the little things, and then you're in the sort of in-God group. But true biblical change that transforms our morality and our worldview about the world comes always and only through salvation with Jesus Christ first, and then through the process of sanctification, God changes and forms our biblical morality. Some of us are 20 years or more into God forming us, and we've got a conviction over here, and we're yelling to the world, some who don't even know Christ, and some who are so early in their faith, you're like, hey, you need to be over here. That is insanely ungracious and unloving, even within the church. Timothy got circumcised. 
And, and, and I think there is a right desire in the church for, for us to see real change in our culture. And I think there are issues that we need to talk about inside the context of the church, not just publicizing every view, thinking that that's the way to do it. And, and I believe that the gospel can have such an impact that it can transform your life, it can transform all aspects of your morality, and it can influence the way you engage the world. And I believe that engagement can actually change, fundamentally shape neighborhoods and schools and, and our culture and our area. But if you want to affect real change, if you want to be salt and light, then how about this? Let me just put a few suggestions out in front of you. Instead of posting how wrong abortion is, why don't you serve in a pregnancy center or walk alongside someone who has, is facing an unplanned pregnancy? And, and why don't you show them the love of Christ and their struggle and suffering, not just condemnation for their sin? How about instead of posting all lives matter in response to black lives matter, why don't you build cross-cultural relationships with the black community and understand the pain of racism? How about you have conversations to the level that I've had where I understand from multiple vantage points that it's 95% of the black community know nothing about the Black Lives Matter organization, but are really just trying to affirm their community in, and process through ways that they've felt pain of racism in the past and the present. How about we walk alongside them and just listen long enough to understand what they're walking through so that we have a keen wisdom and we can love them right in the midst of that and then through the gospel at the center find unity that only that gospel can bring. I promise you that. How about instead of proclaiming confidence for any man who will at most, or woman, who at most would serve eight years in office, why don't you focus your proclamation on the excellencies of the man who will sit on the throne for eternity? I mean, what are we doing? Too often the church has just lost its gospel mind. And then we look at the world and we're like, man, I don't understand. Like, they seem so resistant to the gospel. Maybe because that's not what we're proclaiming to them. That's not what's most famous from our lives and from our testimony and from the, the, the language and the topics that we seem to care the most about. And I think, honestly, it is because we've just gotten tired of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we seem to have lost this awe and wonder of, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I just promise you that as long as I'm standing in the place that God has me, as long as I read this Bible and see the, the mission of the gospel being the centerpiece of everything, I am going to proclaim, let no issue become the main issue except the gospel. And avoid secondary issues that shut the door on gospel conversations. Now, let me just be clear. I love those conversations with brothers and sisters in Christ in places like small group and in relationships that I have with people in the church and in my leadership as a pastor. You can talk to me about any issue. Uh, I'm not gonna be like, oh, that's a secondary issue. We just need to talk about the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that in our conversation with the world and even in our conversation with other believers, if the secondary issue is what we always talk about, that's gonna be a problem inside the church and it for sure is gonna be a problem outside the church. We cannot let those secondary issues become the main issue. Because our end goal is that people would hear the gospel and that through that gospel that God would transform their lives 
and their morality. And that through that gospel changing our morality, that we would understand that real change does not come from talking about things, but it, but it, but it comes from by faith walking in the direction that God would lead us because of compassion and love, not because we want to be right about an issue. And to, um, not just to the Christians, but if you're here this morning and you're, and you're, you're curious about Christ or you're following us online and, and you're and have not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, I just want you to know that God's word has so much, a store, a, a storehouse of wisdom and direction for all of your life. But you will not be able to understand it or receive it or live it apart from an abiding faith in Jesus Christ where he has transformed your heart. And so that's the starting point. And that's what, if you were to come talk to me about that and you're like, hey, I'm trying to be right, I'm trying to do what a Christian is supposed to do, I would just tell you, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me talk to you about Jesus. And let me talk to you about what he's done for you. And let me talk to you about his grace that will guide you, not just in bringing you to faith in Christ, but will also be the grace that will sanctify you. And we're willing to walk with you wherever you're at in that. I, I, I don't want anyone here to be confused by all the noise outside, but just to come to God's word and see that the gospel is being showcased again and again and again. And we need to be a church. I want us to be a church. I long for us to be a church. And I am so proud of some people that I have seen live this out over this last year. And I, just like anyone else here, walking through and being encountered by this message has felt conviction in areas. I felt, felt conviction in places where I pushed too hard for something when a person wasn't there and could have walked more slowly and carefully with them. Both the people inside the church and outside the church. Navigate relationships with a focus on mission. Recognize how relational separation can be used to multiply mission and avoid secondary issues that shut the door on gospel conversations. And so I want to take a few moments now, and this is the missional move. Ask God to help you keep the gospel as the priority in all relationships. Some of you need that right now with your children. There's some parents in this room that need that. How do I keep the gospel at the center when I'm just like, I just would really appreciate morality right now. Some of you feel that with family members. Some of you feel that with people in your small group or in other relationships inside the church. And certainly, we want to keep this um, happening in our lives in regards to the lost. So just take a few moments right now. Just bow your heads right where you're at and just begin to ask God, God, would you convict me of this? And would you keep the gospel as the priority? Let's just do that now. Let's just talk to the Lord about this. He wants to speak to us. He wants to convict us. Just speak to him now, church. Lead us. Convict our hearts, God.
God, I ask you in this moment that I ask that you would forgive me for moments when I have not had wisdom in this. I ask you forgiveness for when I have not um, seen the potential of relational separation and have instead held hurt or regret. Father, I, I ask your forgiveness for, for times when I have stayed on a secondary issue and I've, I've shut the door on the clarity that the gospel could bring. Your love and your graciousness and your forgiveness and your, God, you, you showed all of this to us because of all the things, you, you, you came and you entered into this world before uh, we, we ever took a breath and, and, and you uh, died on that cross for us and you have already put yourself in a position of graciousness towards us in all of our sin, all of our sin because of what you finished on the cross. And I just pray that we would grow to be a more gracious people and a more gracious church and that we would be so focused on the mission to, to, to preach that gospel to the world and see it transform in the way that you, I know you want it to. And I just pray that we would keep the gospel as the priority in all relationships. I pray that for parents in the room. I pray that for people that have neighbors that are asking questions about the gospel or, 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 or people in the workplace or families. God, I, I ask that, that, that this word would, just like in the book of Acts, would, would strengthen our church in the faith and that we would see the numbers increasing daily because the gospel is going out with more clarity that we would be a people that would fight for the gospel not to have the baggage that the world sees that it has too often. And that when we hear that, that it would grieve our hearts that the purity and the goodness and the glory of Jesus Christ has, has been drowned out around all of these other issues. Instead, God, that the light of the glory of Jesus Christ would emerge from our lives and become the compelling, blazing center of our lives in such a way that both for the joy of our own hearts and the joy of our fellowship and for the opportunity that we have with our world, that that would be explicitly clear. So God, correct us and lead us for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.